0: This is Mouth Media Network. Audio for business. One man, one woman, two microphones. And Elsie. So, then, three microphones. What, that's it? That's the whole tagline? So what happens? (laughs) Really? That's it? Oh boy, are they gonna be steamed? I hope they didn't pay for this thing. They didn't? Oh, okay then, what am I complaining about? This is Funny People Talking
1: hi i'm matilda chernetska i'm a leadership and career coach and i would rather be on a flight that's stuck on a tarmac for hours than listen to funny people talking
2: well hello everybody welcome to funny people talking i'm mark Rico. i'm one of your hosts i'm here with daniel beckman
3: I'm here. I'm Danielle Beckman, and I'm from Georgia. we from Savannah. Where are you from?
2: I'm I'm from outside of Savannah. I have a little bit of a Savannah accent, but it's not exactly the same. What happened was is my grandfather used to watch Elvis Presley all the time, um, and he kind of got into my so it was a little bit Mississippi.
3: I understand,
2: but it's uh it, it, it's also uh you know little Memphis little savannah so it kind of squeaks back and forth between yeah the my
3: aunt Beanie she's from Savannah Georgia yeah, that's right. and if you just tuned in you are listening to <laughs> the right episode it's
2: funny people talking to everybody hi. I'm Mark raco one of your hosts with me Daniel Beckman hey oh, Daniel Beckman hi Mademoiselle Danielle yes
3: I am Mademoiselle Danielle also, and I am here
2: you are here <laughs> you are I can testify I'll testify she's here and also I'll testify Elsie the producer LC is here texting right hi, now. hi Elsie no, what are you no, busy no. with over there I'm looking up stuff, okay. Elsie's definitely get scared when texting. She's looking, she always looks up stuff, and like 19 minutes later, she has it for us. But it's really powerful.
3: I'm well, I'm always scared that she's replacing us.
2: Oh, I think that's quite likely. So, anyway, like, uh, hi, how are you doing, Elsie? I'm fine and busy.
4: Okay. How's your cat? None of your business, yes. yeah. Fine,
2: okay, okay. Uh, anyway, I haven't
3: heard about the cat, in I long. know
2: we, we should talk about that. What, what has been the latest thing with none of your business? I don't know. Yeah. Healthy health wise, Yeah, he's great. It's fine. Okay,
3: that's all, all we right. need to know. We're done.
2: Also with us, we're very pleased to say, is Matilda Charnetska. Did I pronounce that right?
3: You did. Yay, uh, Matilda with a Y.
2: Yes, Matilda with a Y in the middle and uh and that's why she, she put her she did like the y and YMCA just now that that also looks like what do you want to know it kind of it, it was great she is awesome full extension so anyway Matilda sureescu <laughs> she is a life and leadership coach
1: leadership and career coach
2: a leadership and career coach uh working with executives and so forth and also I happen to know although I really don't know if this is something you want me to reinforce or or, or point out but I'm still gonna say it because they it's really cool she 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 has some level of expertise expertise in imposter syndrome as well and has held a number of workshops uh, on on that as well or or, or seminars uh, whatever uh, uh, educational oh my god so, okay,
3: can we do one whole other episode just of funny Imposter people Syndrome. talking on that because I feel like that will speak to a generation?
2: Yes, we can that
3: is awesome,
2: all right, great, so um anyway, welcome Matilda. We're so
3: Yay. happy to
2: have you here thank you um, and uh and I happen to know because I know Matilda through mouth media, which shares a space in which Matilda is often present and right. I to know her. And in addition to being a delightful human being, she's also not a horrible hugger. So she likes- She doesn't
3: go, do the side hug? She, no what side What kind hugs. of hug do full, you do?
2: F- full on good full Matilda hug. hugs.
3: Okay. That's good. Right? So. No high fives? Oh, oh well, yeah. High, high fives high too. Five. Sure. Okay. But when you meet a person for the first time, do you say, I'm a hugger?
1: Like, are you that?
3: Not necessarily. Okay. It depends. Know.
1: Unless it's like a warm introduction. It progresses. No, I
3: get you. I it get progresses. you. No, but you know how some people are literally like they say, I'm a hugger and they have to hug you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what if you're not?
2: It's you presumptuous.
3: Know? <laughs> well, what do you say? You say, Oh good, I'm not a hugger. I don't know.
2: Can I go up to someone like that offers me their hand and say, I'm not a shaker?
3: I'm not a shaker, but I'm a mover. Is that good?
2: I'm, I, I Does that mean you, d- a you do a little dance?
3: Yeah, then? you do a little dance. Well, That's you know, right. like the saying, "Mover and shaker." That's what I meant. But yeah, hey, what are you frowning
2: over there, about Elsie? Nothing. Okay.
3: I think she literally just fired us and got her. I, I
2: feel feel comfortable via with that text. Now. Yes. Uh, anyway, so uh, <laughs> we um, before we uh, yeah. go too much further, I do have a question for you. Danielle. Yeah, Mark Danielle. What? Well, I'm gonna tell you already. I'm pissed. <laughs> well, I can understand why you'd be pissed by the way.
3: Okay, yeah. Cause can't you see my situation?
2: Your situation is very strange. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, the situation is this. Yeah. You are dressed exactly like Elvis Presley. Exactly. Like if Which I, if I get I,
3: now why you were doing the accent. Yes. I didn't put tune to. I know. Together. If I turned yeah. a corner and
2: I saw you, I'd go, Elvis, oh, Danielle. So, I'm curious. That's not how you dress every day. So, why are you doing it today? Today? Yes.
3: Today is National Dress Like Elvis Presley Day. I
2: do not believe that. Is that a real thing? In
3: my mind, it is. (laughs) I said, you know what? July 2nd, let's be patriotic. Who wore the American flag in a cape better than Elvis? No one. So, exactly. Except for me today. Boom.
2: Oh, my gosh. Do you see my my
3: patriotism? That's quite a cape. Thank you. The polyester is chafing slightly. I really can't understand how he wore this like six days a week performing or however much he performed. (laughs) But, you know, um, actually, I feel like, is his birthday soon?
2: It's in August, I believe.
3: Dang it.
2: I'm not positive. No, I know he died in August. in January. Oh, Oh, well, we're all wrong. He died in August. I remember exactly where it was when Elvis died. I was in the Catskills with, uh, I was a kid and uh and and we were at a place called Winter Clove up in Roundtop, New York in this big old 17 late 1700s inn that wow. s- still exists now and uh in in this big living room and someone had heard something about this we were watching TV and they had the news flash and uh and I just you know it's one of those like where you were when very kind iconic of yeah. yeah
3: well yeah and so i knew this would really speak to you today mark so i also wore this outfit
2: okay
0: it
3: hey. was actually on sale at the rental shop really? but do you know what else there's going to be a a biopic coming out
2: about elvis i know elvis. and harry styles
3: that. might play elvis Whoa. or angel elgort he's good yeah what were you we going to ask me
2: i i want i want to know if you have a nerd tip
3: oh sure just the tip Oh, I have a hunk, a hunk of burning. Okay, I'm done. I'm, well, we're done. We're done with a that. Hunk a hunk, a burning love. Um, I actually do. Um, Today? I'm going to take this cape off. It's a little okay. hot. All right. I'm sorry, you guys. There's just chafe, chafe, chafe. That's chafe, fine. Chafe. Thanks for committing. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, it was this day. Okay, so... I do an, a little nerd tip every episode. And this one is a tip or uh, tips on how to study like a nerd. Oh. And I thought this was awesome for people like in middle school, all the way up to grad school. Uh, because, and by the way, she yeah. pointed
2: to me when she said middle school and Elsie when she said <laughs> grad school. I would just like to point out.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I did. That was not not on purpose. Um, so this student who um goes to the University of San Francisco. Her name's Natalie Oxner, and she wrote this cute little post called Six Tips for Studying Like a Hardcore Nerd. Oh, the Ochsner Method. Like, yeah, the Oxner Method. And I was like, this is actually really cool. Okay, number one, treat yourself to some cute school supplies. Duh, that is so... Brilliant. I literally just got some of the cutest Post-its and Sharpies last week. How does that week. help it you study? Me... Wouldn't
2: it just distract you?
3: No, it makes you want to use them more, which makes you excited to learn.
2: Like I want to make a mistake so I can use my cute Snoopy eraser? Oh uh,
3: Yeah, or like my little uh, whiteout tape. Yeah? No, you don't want to make a mistake, Mark. <laughs> I... You're working backwards. It's fine. Middle school. <laughs> To grad school pointed at mark again number two mm. this is another one she says study way ahead of time in little yes. chunks okay she said I know this sounds annoying and it's something that you don't want to do and she said, but you should try to commit to it even if it's ten minutes every day
2: <laughs> I, I am I obsessed that.
3: with this girl I, yeah I
2: like it it makes perfect sense there's no way that would happen with okay me, but...
3: I know See, middle school number three set oh, I mean a time... I, I
2: would like type my papers on a typewriter by the way cuz oh, before you. we had like regular computer
0: computers. Oh yeah. i said,
2: oh, I'm old. And uh anyway, so uh that um, awesome. would literally type cuz you get like one take on a typewriter basically. That's it. I would type my paper like an hour before class. Write it as I type it. Like I didn't study and then I wrote it down and then I This I'm is just why you have a show
3: called Funny People talking about improv because and, you've been improvising doctor, your way through college. <laughs> I understand, Mark. Okay, sorry, continue. Number three, set a timer on your phone for a designated study time. That's obvious. Number four, be colorful. She said that she had a, a high school um, a, a teacher who color-coded everything, and it was so helpful for, like, de- like verbs, nouns, adjectives, et cetera. I was like, hey, five. What
2: if you're colorblind? Are you going to be unable well, to Well,
3: okay, my boyfriend is colorblind. This is a real question. I didn't question. know that. Oh, it's bad. The cones in his eyes, we're not sure. But anyway, maybe um, maybe then instead of color coding, you could do like pattern coding. Sure. Like stripes, polka dots, right? Okay, I have two more. Get a distraction-free interactive studying zone, which she called office hours. I was like, that's cute, which basically is like accountability partner studying. And the last one is fascinating. Memorize and retrieve. So she said that essentially you write down the material you need to know over and over Mm -hmm. again. And then it's not enough just to look at the words on the page. You have to write them. So like certain learning styles. And that's how I actually memorize too. And that's why typing isn't as good as writing.
2: All of the cheat sheets I made for tests, I never used one of them. But I would write these little cheat sheets for myself, and right. I would have it in my pocket. And I never used it because I'm an honest guy. But because that you wrote it out, made me remember it
3: exactly. Because I, so... I,
2: I'm I'm um, I'm a visual recaller. Yeah, me too. I, I'm not a I don't have photo memory or whatever you call it. But I but I have but I can remember on my cheat sheet where I wrote something. I'm sure other people. Uh, Matilda's nodding fervently right now, so I'm not sure if that's the way. you is that how you learn? Matilda Absolutely.
3: Okay. Yeah. No, do. Yeah. too. Because so, some people don't, though. It's like it's so cool the different learning styles people have. Which is also why it's really hard for me sometimes to memorize certain scripts. Mm-hmm. Because if a line has a break in it and it goes to the next page, I will sometimes memorize the line with a break in it. Yeah. And that's wrong. Especially if it's a through thought of the action. So sometimes I have to type up a script that in a different way. That means you didn't really
2: internalize the line. I mean, I'm, I'm equally guilty of that. Well,
3: no. Because... It's the first way I read it, and so I have to literally take it out of the page and write it out and look at it that way. Got it. It's crazy, okay. but hey, Natalie, congrats! Um, yeah, I think she's probably graduating this year because she was a sophomore when she wrote this in 2016. Why
2: don't you send her this episode?
3: I will, yes. Nat. All right, Natalie. I'm going to click on her. See if she has
2: a. All right, this is the so time. So I hope
3: you can all study now. Bye. Thank you for can the I nerd add, tip.
2: Can, yeah. can I add a, Of uh, course
1: you can, Matilda. A geeky. Factoid to your nerd tip? Let's
2: go from a nerd tip to a geeky factoid.
1: Do it. It's not as catchy as nerd tip. I like
2: it. But But it's
5: geeky
1: factoid. Factoid. Factoids. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So there's actually a study that shows that we internalize more when we read on physical paper than we do digitally and part of that is because the brain has more data to work with for example the shadow that the light casts or if there's a bend mm. in the page so all of this is are things that the brain picks up which is why it's actually easier to recall things that we read in physical books than on a Kindle
3: wow fascinating i love that and i love the brain that is so cool um. My, I—you're talking to a girl who grew up with a whole like newspaper family. My dad was in the newspaper business for thirty years, so like he is like print Mm -hmm. till death. He
2: read in a lot of ink.
3: He did. It's true. It explains me. What? Danielle. Hi, Mark. Yeah. Start the
0: show. You're welcome. From the Mouth Media Network studios in New York City. And from the same people who brought you Monkey Radio with Mark, this is Funny People Talking with Mark Rako, Danielle Beckman, and Elsie.
2: Hey, it's Funny People Talking. We're here with Matilda Charneska. She is a leadership and career coach, but she's also funny. Ha, ha. Funny, ha, ha All right, before we continue with the show, a very important piece of business, our Tina Fey challenge appeal, whatever we decide to call it, this particular episode. It's uh, really our effort to get Tina Fey to interact with the show in some way. Uh, we'll pray or appeal to the comedy gods, throw it out to the universe, Matilda, if you will. Uh, we will basically be saying a prayer. You're welcome to join in if you're so inclined. And we're hoping that someday it catches Tina's attention and compels her, motivates her, excites her to be a part of the show in some way. Uh, and I'm going to lead it off. Okay, um, I'm ready. Tina Fey- Faye. Tina, we love you. We need you. Come here. to us. Thank you very much. Be Tina with us Tina, Tina, Tina. You, In
3: child. Mouth Media. We need you, Tina Fey. Come join, you. Us. You Just Tina, Tina, Just join us. You are Tina, Tina. You are a person. Tina Faye.
2: <laughs> That's right. And Tina Fey. I to talk. It's a Tina Fey, Fey comma, Tina. A good time. We really, really want you. Amen.
3: Amen. That was great.
2: Yes. Thank you.
3: I really can't wait for her to come though, eventually, and can then imagine? we can compare our heights because we're the exact same height. We're both five right. foot four and three
2: quarters. Just awesome. Okay. Great. That'll be, that'll Maybe be Maybe she'll sure wear heels.
3: Yeah, it'll be the highlight. I'm like, see. We'll
2: remember when Team Favre was on the show and you guys compared heights? That was the best.
3: It'll be the highlight.
2: Oh. Right. All right, let's take a quick visit to Danielle's world, world, world. World, world, world. <laughs> That's right. Uh, what's going on in Danielle's world?
3: Well, hi. So did I tell y'all that, well, you knew it was my birthday a couple weeks
2: ago. Yes, we talked about did it. Did I show. tell
3: you about the birds? Okay.
2: No. Oh, you have to talk about the the bulldog. I mean, the, the pug. The pug. Which pug? In the. In the map. The pug? The what? The the Google global Google,
3: Google. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, you've talked about okay, that.
3: Okay, Well, but
2: you can talk about the birds too.
3: Well, real quick, I'll do the birds first. But here's okay. So here's the thing. So, um, I love staring at birds. Okay, out my window, love them. So very cute. Do you sit there and go? Chew, chew, chew. No, I I look at them. I go. Oh, it's a sweet little bird. That's what I say. Really? Okay. And and my boyfriend, Timothy, is delightful, and he loves to make fun of me when I talk about birds. And um, he told his parents, because they were like, we want to get something for Danielle for her birthday, because she's great. I know, guys. For her bird day? For my bird day. And they ended up getting me these dope binoculars that are so... Super nice because the process to get to that place was hilarious because he said that he was chatting with his parents and they were like, well, we should get her a bird identifying book because she should le- – She, I bet you she wants to know the species and I bet you she want to learn about them. And then Timothy's dad said, wait a second. She just likes to stare at birds, right? And Mm -hmm. he was like, yeah. And he goes, why don't we just get her binoculars to look at the birds closely? And then they were like, that's better than this book she might never read. Listen, I do want to learn about them, but I also right now just need to look at them to get to know them. So that present paired with a year-long membership to the Brooklyn Botanic Gardens was my birthday present. And wow. my dear friend, Mark Rako, just got married at the Brooklyn Botanic Gardens right. about a month and a half ago. And I think us visiting there for inspired. your wedding inspired that gift.
2: Whoa, whoa. I haven't asked gift that keeps on giving. What do you know?
3: Yeah. And that's actually how Timothy said it. He was like, I have a gift that keeps on giving for you. So he got <laughs> us a awesome. dual membership. So Fantastic. I'm pretty excited. Now, real quick, back to my birthday. Yeah. I chose this restaurant. Called? Do you do you live in Brooklyn? Do you live in Manhattan? miss Village, East Village. Okay, so you're off the F train. Hey, so am I, girl. Um, but I um, I chose this place called the Gran Electrica. It's like a Mexican restaurant in Dumbo. Yes, I've been there. Yeah. Okay, so they have like an outdoor patio and all this stuff. It was a del- deluge. Do you say it like that? A deluge? A deluge? It was raining a lot.
2: Deluge, I think is the word, right?
3: Elsie. Uh, Elsie does not She's agree. laughing at me, though. Well, this what, is good. What, I'm getting her to laugh. What is proper
2: pronunciation, Elsie? Don't, I don't
3: know. I say deluge, but I think I'm just wrong. Deluge. So it was a deluge. of So it was raining like crazy. So before I headed to the place, and this was a spot that I chose a month before. I'd never been. I invited all my friends. I said, go to this place. Ugh, didn't make a reservation. Just winged it it turned out fine but i the night before i was like i think it's going to rain i really want to look on google maps real quick to see which way um like what the exterior of the building looks like you know you can click on the street view so for all y'all listening out there you know how you have google maps and then you can click and you can actually be like as if you're on the street so i did that and i clicked now something if you've been listening for a little bit of time you will know that I, Danielle Beckman, am obsessed with... Pugs. Pugs. That was yep. literally an octave below you. That was awesome. Yeah. Pugs. I love pugs. Okay? Pugs, not drugs. And you don't have that to That should shoot. be a t-shirt. It is. I have one. Oh, okay. Do you not know? <laughs> no. Oh, my God. I'll wear it next time.
2: Okay.
3: Okay. So, oh, as I bring my terrarium... My life will be complete. I know. So... Also, Pug of Thrones was a card that Mark and his wife gave to me, which was so cute. Anyway. Okay. So I'm on the Google Maps. I'm searching around. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm looking at the street view. And I turn. Okay. Everyone listening right now, look up Grand Electrica on your Google Map. Turn the view around and you will see literally a giant pug sitting there. It's like a zoom in pug. So the Google Map... Caught this pug sitting in front of the restaurant at the exact perfect time, and it's it's not like it's kind of in the background walking. It's like a pug, and then the restaurant. I'm I'm going to show you right now. Well, not the viewers. I'm going to show
2: right Matilda. Daniel is utilizing her iPad <laughs> to show. Okay, Matilda. So look, we an have image this. You cannot see.
3: We have this. What? Oh, so, wow. explain
2: what you've shown to Matilda.
3: I have literally showed That's the amazing. pug to Matilda, and it's not a cute pug. So oh, sorry to the owner. It's a very,
2: uh, it's kind view, of an old pug. As you approach the restaurant on, st- on Street View, in all the stills that Google Can you Street that? View has, you walk up, and all of a sudden, you come to the front of the restaurant, and there is a freaking clear-as-day pug.
3: It's like clear-as-day. I mean, whoa! it's very terrifying. That close-up slightly this creepy. pug is so... <laughs> anyway it was just one of those moments you know we talk about synergy a lot on this show because sometimes fun little things click and little coincidences mm-hmm. and things happen on the show a lot with our guests and that's one of the things that was so kismet it was so meant to be that i'd never been to this restaurant yep. i randomly chose it the night before i decided to look it up on google yep. maps and there was a pug and it was like happy birthday danielle
2: yep oh my god and, and by the way Coincidentally, like a couple days later, I was doing an an interview on a different show on Mouth Media, and one of our hosts is an investor in that restaurant.
3: Oh yeah, I feel like you told me that. Funny. Okay. And that's her pug.
2: No, there you go. All right. Anyway, uh, thank you for that. Uh, Real quick, we're gonna do uh, give Elsie a little little screen time, a little mic time right now. And we're going to take a little walk down movie reviews before you've seen the movie. This is mm. where we dive into Elsie's keen ability to see into the future and evaluate movies that she's never seen, but size them up on basically how good they really are. So... uh I'm excited. You should be excited. It's really good.
3: <laughs> wow. So, can't wait. <laughs> we're saying all these generic things. So <laughs>
2: basi- basically... All I have to do is give her the title of the movie and I can tell her a little bit about it.
3: Wait, is this the Elsie segment?
2: Yes, this is an Elsie segment.
3: Oh, I'm pumped.
2: All right. So the first movie I am going to select is It's called Leo Da Vinci. Oh. Meet the young genius inventor Leonardo da Vinci and his best friends Lorenzo and Lisa as they embark in a wild and exciting adventure from flying cars, treasure maps, pirates, and sailing ships. It's a family adventure everyone will love.
3: Will they? Sorry. Uh,
2: It it stars the voices, because it's an animated film, of the uh, huge A-list stars Johnny Young Bosch, Jeremy Lee and Bryce Pippenbrook. So, um who you remember from such films as Leo Da Vinci?
3: Oh, I love Bryce Pippenbrook. Get him all my so stuff. So, I
2: know that you saw this woman. this this film. Um or anticipate seeing it at least. Uh what what is your review on this film, Elsie?
4: Um, this film bombs. Like it's the bomb no. or it bombs. No, as in like the old school version of the word bomb. Why is that? Um, because nobody cares. <laughs> oh man. It just it's got they threw too many pieces of spaghetti at the wall and none of it stuck.
2: I see. Yeah. I see.
4: You didn't like the whole climax
3: denouement. Ma- and you Ma- didn't
4: like Pippa Block? Was? No. No? Oh. Uh, okay. It's well, not
3: for kids even? It's
4: not for my goldfish. Oh, mm. and I don't have a goldfish. Oh, God. So that that's a shark. You. Yeah.
2: All right. Let's go to film number
4: two.
2: It's called. Thank you,
3: Movie Machine.
2: You're welcome. <laughs> Why don't you just tell me the name of the movie you want to see? Uh, I <laughs> got the hookup. Two, which implies, (laughs) by the way, there was a I got the hook up one. But um wouldn't it be great to just do a movie and just name it a sequel (laughs) and there is no actual first movie? (laughs) No one. That would be for funny. Uh oh my god. Best friends and old school street hustlers, black and blue, won't went legit 20 years ago when they opened their family restaurant. But with the health inspector threatening to shut them down, they could lose it all. Now it's up to I feel like I should be narrating this like a... Uh, you should. Look, here we go. Best friends and old school street hustlers, black and blue, went legit twenty years ago when they opened their family restaurant. But with the health inspector threatening to shut them down, they could lose it all. Now it's up to young thug- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Now it's up to young thug scam artists, fat boy and, Slim. S- and Spider. Uh, To step up and save the day and a stolen shipment of the hottest smartphones might just be the ticket. So long as the cops and a couple of bloodthirsty gangs don't get them first. Come back and visit the old neighborhood in this hilarious all new comedy classic, even wilder than the original.
3: I would uh, like Elsie to rate this on a restaurant rating, like A, right. B, C, G, like that, yeah, exactly. or shut so, down.
2: So I don't want to call your, your thoughts on it. I'm just saying it's I got the hookup, too.
3: I mean, she's, she's seen in it, it. <clears throat>
5: you
2: uh, Percy that. Miller, Cory Grant, Romello Burns, and Michael Ballard, I think.
3: Oh, and Nicole Kidman. And <laughs> Nicole Kidman.
4: She's in it, too. She's in everything. Well, Nicole, as usual, you know. Yes. So the hookup one was successful enough to have a part two. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a case of maybe they should have just stayed with the original and not taken it any further. Um, it it does have a decent viewership, so people were interested. But once the reviews get out, mm. it gets canned. It mm. goes to video, and that's that,
2: yeah. Got it.
4: It's not even a and it, and, it, and it wasn't hilarious. It tried really hard, but it no, tried,
2: yeah. it tried well, yeah. you know, with the smartphones. How can you go wrong? <laughs> All right, one more beep, 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 beep. Okay, beep, Dr. Sleep. <laughs> it continues the story of Danny Torrance 40 years after his terrifying oh, stay at the yeah. Overlook Hotel in the Shining, Ewan McGregor. Rebecca Ferguson and newcomer Kylie Curran star in the supernatural thriller directed by Mike Flanagan from his own screenplay based upon a novel by Stephen King. And, and I do like the poster. It just has a <laughs> giant red rum.
0: Oh. It.
2: So um, this is actually uh, not coming out till November, but I know you got an advanced copy of it.
4: Yeah. Cause you know, um, the book's, They're always a hit and um, people try to make movies out of it because they figure if it's an attachment to Stephen King. But the thing is, is that Stephen, you know, he licenses the rights and stuff, but doesn't necessarily have say in the production or the casting or any of that stuff. And that's where a lot of people go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes you'll have a misery or a shining or a, um, you know, Shawshank Redemption Gotcha. But sometimes you'll have a, a maximum overdrive, or what's you know yeah. like that. So this is kind of in between the two. Ah, uh, yeah. All right. Well,
2: um, it'll be interesting for us to check it out and compare notes.
3: Oh wow!
4: So I'm not going to see any of them. you. Found those reviews hilarious?
2: Yeah.
3: Hysterical. And they are. Yeah.
2: Uh, I'd like to do one more, and I'd like to give Matilda a shot at one if you're up for it. Sure. Because I I know you've seen some movies yourself, so I'm going to just pick one random and, that I know that you've seen. Beep, beep, boop, beep, boop, boop, beep. beep. Yeah, beep, thank you. You're welcome. <clears throat> uh, this is called uh, Leto or Leto. I'm not sure which, but I'm going to say Leto. And it's an uh, avant-garde Russian filmmaker, Krill Serenbrennikov, uh, who uh, made not far The from Student – returns to the big screen with a tribute to the early years of Russian rock. Leningrad in the summer in the early 80s, a smuggling LPs by Lou Reed and David Bowie. The underground rock scene is boiling ahead of the Penestrika. Mike and his beautiful wife, Natasha, obviously, meet with the young Viktor Tauli <laughs> together with friends. They will change the trajectory of rock and roll music in the Soviet Union, starring a bunch of Russian people. <laughs> what uh, did you think? Yeah, what did you wow. think about this one?
1: Yeah, uh, well, this one was really interesting because they took some some liberties uh, in terms mm. of you know kind of composing some new music and mm-hmm. modernizing oh, it yeah. a little bit. <laughs> Um,
2: so a little pink throwing in or?
1: Well, yeah, but, you know, with with uh, with a little bit of a, a Russian twist. Um, oh, got it. Yeah. Okay. But the thing is that um, this movie does not do well in Russia at all, but it actually is very successful in Brazil. Because funny is, enough. Yeah. There's a, I mean, you know, Brazil has a history of um, of Russian um aficionados and Uh you know, there's just a lot of people. There's, it's kind of like a cult following, yeah. um, But it ends up going a little more mainstream than expected. So, gotcha. uh, There might be a sequel in in Portuguese in the future.
3: Oh my God! Okay, see now that I want to see Lido Two. Wait, this is also a two?
2: No, that will be that'll be the sequel. The the Portuguese. Yeah, I don't know if I want. All right, thank you, Matilda. That's it for Advanced movie reviews it is time for a quick improv game as if that wasn't one uh we're gonna play uh one of my favorite games what are you what are you shaking your head about elsie
4: i'm allowed okay
2: she's allowed something (laughs) uh she's none of your business this is one of my favorite games that we can play it's called the uh, news uh and the idea is that you are a reporter in the field interacting with the anchor desk back at the station uh, reporting on a fairly mundane and uh, everyday occurrence that in our game is big news. Yeah. And uh, we turn it into big news. Danielle and I will demonstrate, and then uh, we'll give you a suggestion, and everyone else will follow suit. Uh, so Danielle and I will play first, and then Matilda and Elsie will play it in the next round. Okay. All right. So okay. what we need is a suggestion. Of from re- the
3: audience. From the
2: audience of an everyday occurrence or something that's not interesting. I'm going to give you a couple examples so you know how what we're thinking about. Uh, it could be um, brushing your teeth. It could be uh, tr- tripping on your shoelace. It could be uh, the lights went on. You know, it could be something very, very simple. A bird flew by anything okay so from the audience a suggestion of an everyday natural occurrence or activity
3: and who am i being
2: um why don't you be the reporter in the field
3: okay i'm in the field i'm in a field right now
2: oh you could sure any ideas a
4: toilet is stopped up
2: a toilet is stopped up in a field by the way toilet is stopped up okay thank you elsie okay here we go And that's why that walnut is shaped like Nixon. Uh, oh, we have a breaking report from Potter's field in Connecticut. Uh, well, just a moment here. We have Danielle Beckman out on location at Potter's field. It appears that some piece of equipment has malfunctioned and is causing chaos. Uh, we go to Danielle Beckman. Now, Danielle, can you hear Hi us? There. What is that? Can you give us an idea of what's happening out there?
3: Yeah. I'm Danielle Beckman. Yes. Hello. Yeah.
2: Danielle, what's the so, news?
3: So, well, I'm on set here, as you can see, taking my time, reporting the news. I'm on set for this, the latest Mick Jagger music video. He okay. wanted to shoot it in a field with a toilet. And what do I know? But here, come get this. Okay. Craig, follow me with the camera. Craig. Sorry, everyone's a little laxative today.
2: All right. Well, while while they're moving to the location, uh, Daniel- you have to
3: see this toilet. It's yeah. crazy. By the way,
2: that's an incredible hat you have on there, Danielle.
3: Oh, this is uh, so the debris doesn't hit me.
2: I see. Okay.
3: We're about to plunge this sucker.
2: Ah, got it. Okay. Yeah.
3: So why Mick Jagger needed this thing in the middle of a field? I don't know.
2: Is this a post-surgery issue? I uh,
3: I don't know, but this is his first comeback music video. So over here, Craig, 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 could you get a
2: leg on? We we Cra- only have so oh, much time. Oh, here he time. comes! Right, here he comes!
3: You. He his his shoe was stuck in gum. Uh, so here we have this stopped-up toilet. As you can see, there's um a lot of blockage. We have our friend um she's her what honey what's your name um my name is molly this is really really embarrassing sorry molly okay well molly's the plunger on site and we're just getting what we can out of this toilet so mcjagger can have his glory moment i don't know if i even want to stick around how are you in the studio
2: (laughs) okay um by the way behind you i'm pretty sure that's mcjagger
3: oh Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I really don't really feel like chatting with him. Uh, it's a long story with my ex. But right. um, anyway, right, so uh, here we are. To... So it's really interesting. The toilet's um, stocked up. And I recommend you all get out there and see his latest video.
2: All right. Daniel Beckman putting the pot in Potter's Field. No, no. <laughs> oh, pot. I'm sorry. Um, Elsie, yes. It, it's you... Potty's Field. Potty's Field. <laughs> <It's> a... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Elsie pot, making her paycheck right there. There we go. All right. Well, that's Daniel Beckman out in Potty's Field, Connecticut with Oh, I got
3: sprayed. Turn it off, Craig. Turn it off. <laughs>
4: oh, well. So that some... took
3: weird turns. But it, it went somewhere. Did it? Did it? Yeah, I mm-hmm. liked I it. Imagine. I think the
4: whole thing went in the toilet.
2: Yeah,
3: okay. Oh man! Oh. What? Well, what? then that's only one person's fault. Remember, you worried about
2: being fired. <laughs> that man oh, just. Dang it. It. Am
3: it's... I going to be fired today? No. <laughs> that's
2: two strikes. Uh, no, thank you very much, Danielle. Oh god! All right, let's try this again. Let's try and do good. No, I'm kidding. No, let, uh, Matilda. There are no wrong LC. choices in improv. No I choices. just wanted
4: to use all the, the only chances wrong
2: choices. Who's that doing it? For toilet jokes. Oh
3: my God. <laughs> I
2: love you, Danielle. Okay. What, he says that what, what, when he feels
3: bad for me. Oh, I <laughs> it's true. You can listen
4: to the episodes. Nothing. Just go.
2: Okay. Elsie getting crabby. Uh, Matilda. Yeah. Um, why don't you be the reporter in the field? Elsie will be the anchor. Uh, a suggestion of an everyday uh, activity. Um, everyday
3: activity. An
2: everyday normal activity or occurrence. Yeah. Uh, how How about um, one. Danielle? You've got one.
3: Filling an ice cube tray.
2: There you go. Filling an ice cube. That took tray. me a long
3: time to say. I do you guys know what I meant? Yes. Filling up
1: refilling the ice cubes.
2: Yes. Are you up for this, Matilda?
1: I literally just made ice for the first time this summer four weeks ago. Really? I'm so proud of you.
2: Yeah. So for I don't years, use ice in winter. I was gonna say for years and years and years you were just oh. like, to, what is this thing in my freezer? Seriously. What <laughs> the hell is this thing?
1: No, this keep, I keep waffles? it empty in winter. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That Waffles, is, yes.
2: All right, Elsie, go ahead and throw this to Matilda in the field.
4: So uh, we have Matilda out in the field, and there's been a uh, crisis of uh, not having enough ice cube trays, and and people uh, facing the conundrum of what to fill the ice cube trays with besides water, just to make it more interesting. So uh, we'd like to have Matilda take it. And uh, give us some examples of what are going on in the field with the ice cube trays and and the liquids that have been perplexing people Mattel to take it.
1: Yes, Elsie, as you know, there has been an extreme drought happening and people are in panic because their drinks are not cold. And so as a result, uh, there are all sorts of things happening in terms of water replacements within the ice cube trays we've got soup we've got watermelon juice we've even got tears people are crying over their drinks being too warm so they're filling the ice cube trays with tears wow yeah wow it's pretty dramatic Um,
4: and and what are the alternatives to the ice cube trays that are helping people cope like to bring a little joy to them with this this crisis. Um, are there different shapes? Uh, maybe a recall to something we mentioned earlier with a shaped ice cube tray with a nerd tip or something like that.
1: <laughs> there are very colorful ice cube trays. Um, people are spray painting them to make them more joyful uh, to encourage more uh, more usage of the ice cube trays uh, and to encourage people to bring more liquids that they can freeze. Wow.
4: Um, Are are people worried about um, when the soup cubes melt that it kind of changes their beverage? It does. It does. And um, are there trauma units set up for this? (laughs) There
1: are. Those trauma units are filled with trained pugs to cheer people up.
4: Oh, well, there you go. Well, there
1: you go. All right, because everyone loves a good
4: pug. That'll bring a smile. Okay. Um, do you have any warnings or uh, anything that the general public needs to know about this? Or, um, Attention, clear the area, clear the area. You didn't know there were going to be sound effects and stuff, did you? So, um, Matilda, um, back to the question, do you have any advice or, or <laughs> tips or... Um, Or warnings for people to, you know, keep an eye out for or or shopping tips or um, anything, anything that the people need to be aware
1: of. I think the people need to be aware that once they fill the trays, they need to find a freezer that is plugged in.
4: Okay, so thank goodness it's just a liquid shortage and not electricity because, yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Matilda. Thank you for um, your excellent reporting skills. Uh, We'll come back to you at a later time and check in with you. Thanks a lot.
3: I want gazpacho. Oh, that's
2: just chilled soup. Delightful. Okay, Matilda and Elsie win. Win the I don't Man think news.
3: There's a contest.
2: I, there isn't my mind.
3: Well, not in mine. I have a. Question. I live free. We, we
4: we did have a Death Star. Ice we did. Cube yes On this episode, am I right? Yeah, last episode. Last episode. Oh, crap.
3: I know. It's okay. All right.
4: I recalled something that you wouldn't even know what I'm talking about.
1: Okay. I went with the colorful surprise. Yes, that's awesome
4: thanks for rolling with it Been not saying what are you talking about <laughs>
2: that's improv nicely done nicely done both of you very funny thank you all right we're gonna take a quick uh, pause and when we return we're gonna return with matilda and learn all about her from one end to the other <laughs> whatever that means <laughs> right after this
0: Connect with the show at Mouth Media Network or at our website, funnypeopletalking.com. And please, for the love of all that is holy, subscribe to the show and leave us a damn review and a really, really good rating on iTunes. Pretty please? Thank you.
2: everybody really funny people talking that is what this show is uh-huh. uh there's people here we've been talking and hopefully some of it's been funny but right now we're gonna <laughs> take a we're gonna take, be talking we're gonna be talking with matilda Charnetska. she is a leadership and executive coach no
1: you know what what are you I, I usually just say leadership coach. Keep it simple.
2: She's a leadership and career coach. That's what it was. Not exactly. Uh, she's a leadership. She's, she's, she coaches leadership. And uh, <laughs> she anyway, Matilda. well. Yes. So we're going to find out what that means in just a second. But I would like to lead off with a different question than, than talking about the coaching, which we'll come to. Before the show, you mentioned to us that you were not born in the United States. Is that okay for us to talk about? Absolutely. You're not born in the United States. Uh, you were born in Poland in Warsaw and you emigrated to the United States at four years old and you do speak Polish and you've been back to Poland and, but, um, there's no trace of an accent. I mean, you have a perfectly American quote unquote accent, whatever that means. And the United States is, is really the home that you've known for most of your life. Uh, my question to you is, what do you think the culture of Poland and and your your pa- you have a mom and dad.
1: My father passed away father when I was young, has, so time, when I sorry. refer to my parents, it's my mother and my grandmother. Gotcha. Okay.
3: Yeah, my best friend has the same. Okay. He, his mother and his grandmother. That's awesome. Yeah.
2: So, uh, your your uh, your mother and your grandmother uh, raised you, and you. Uh, so, my, I guess my question is: as you work professionally, what do you take from your Polish the the impact of the Polish background. What do you think from that particular culture has impacted the way that you do your work?
1: It's a great question. It's not something I've ever thought about.
2: That's the service we do on this show.
1: <laughs>
2: so I don't mean it as like a ha answer that question, but I mean I- I'm curious because the work that we do is often a byproduct of who we are, which is many layers, and often that includes the culture that we brought up with. You know, I come from, a, a-, a- M, although I'm also of German descent, I come from Italian heritage. We're the same, and Italian. The, there, Italian, there is there, uh, Many cultures have a, a very high work ethic, but in our particular case, that that was. Um, because of who my grandfather was, he worked in the mines, and he worked in the, you know, putting up uh, water towers, and and he worked the trains and all that stuff. You know, putting tracks in and all that kind of stuff. So I'm saying, wow,
3: very labor intensive. so, So
2: my brother and I both have a very, very heavy duty work ethic, and I believe a lot of that came from the culture side of our of our family. Yeah. So what do you what could you point to, if anything, that you can identify from your Polish heritage?
1: What comes to mind immediately is resilience mm-hmm. in terms of uh, if you look at Poland's history, Germany and Russia take turns taking over. So it's pretty <laughs> incredible that it's still on the map. Truly. <laughs> I've yeah. got it. No,
2: I've got it. No, I've got it.
3: Yeah. yeah like that identity there in the country itself. True. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um and uh I mean my grandmother lived through World War II and there's a lot of stories there mm. um and you know some pretty incredible resilience uh you know just in my family history so I think growing up with that and hearing those stories um at the dinner table is something that is deep within me so um I think it it really has affected in a positive way how I approach Challenges and adversity, you know, kind of like, well, okay, <laughs> like uh, sure, bring it. What's next? Uh, yeah, or wow. you know, trying to interesting, um, or, or just believing that things can be rebuilt or um, recreated. That you know, that there's always the possibility for another chapter. That's
3: cool. I love that word, possibility. Like sitting there in a moment, being like, okay, what's possible? Like what's next? That's cool.
2: So there's a lot of leadership coaches out there. Uh, first, tell us what you do in, in your own words because cause someone may think a leadership coach means one thing, another. How do you define what you do?
3: Yeah, we like your
1: special sauce. What
3: mm-hmm. is it?
1: <laughs> um, so – I always talk about coaching from the perspective of goal setting so much of goals of coaching is around setting goals, and I believe that there's two different kinds of goals. so the goals that we often set out for ourselves are transactional goals, so these are things that you can put on a to do list it might say, you know be something like I want to you know get this get promoted to this job title or mm-hmm. I want to increase revenue of you know my company by x percent. Um, and those are really important because they give us direction and we know when we've achieved them. But there's another kind of goal, which is a transformational goal. And a transformational goal is less about what do you want to have and more about who do you want to become? What's your version of leveling up? What's your 2.0? So cool. And so when you focus on a transformational goal, the transactional goals kind of take care of themselves mm. because you've leveled up. And, of course, you become the kind of person who, of course, you get the Promotion. Of course, you increase the revenue because that's just who you are. And that's that kind of change. It's not something that you check off and then there's something else that pops onto the to do list. You know, that's permanent. Uh, and then you continue to operate from that level. So that's that's the kind of coaching that I focus on with my clients. It
2: reminded me a little bit of something I'd read recently, which I'm sure is not a new concept for you at all, but it talked about, it was Arnold Schwarzenegger, was actually. Talking about it. It wasn't something I read. I saw him giving a talk. He was talking about a plan B versus your plan A. And just having a plan, although I guess it's good to be prepared, having a plan B in the first place means that you have, um, you're at least some of the time you're thinking about not doing plan A. Like tapping you're out. Thinking about plan B. <laughs> like, you're thinking yeah. about it. You're organizing the plan. So the more time and the more of your thoughts. Work about the thing that could go wrong you're not wow. taking that energy and putting it into the thing that it may already be in motion that you're working on and have some success in that is why it is your plan a and 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 the reason I said that that made me think about it is plan a should be your destiny it should be who you decided you're going to be the person that it's simply the skin you're about to walk into that's already you out there mm-hmm. um you know when i moved to new york a lot of people i heard this from so many people and it was meant with love you know you always can come back
3: mm-hmm.
2: and every person that said that to me and understood why they said i said you have to understand i'm not coming back it's not that i don't want to be here it's that I must succeed. This is what I am going to be doing now. I couldn't allow myself to have that plan B to not decide who I was going to be, whatever ultimately happened in the long run. So, anyway, I'm sorry that's to right. take you off course. That's that's what I was. You reminded me. Yeah. About.
1: So I have another alphabet game to kind of turn that one on its head, which is. <laughs> so, is you can also think of your goals that you're setting in terms of ABC, but kind of in reverse. So, your plan A is this is what I'm going to do. And this is what, I, you know, to your point, I'm not coming back. Like, this is what I'm going to do. But then you level it up with plan B of, well, what's that? you know, plus one, you know, what does it look like Mm, to succeed? And then some, and plan C is then, uh, you know, what does it look like where you're actually afraid of it? You know, where you you get tingles when you think about like, Oh man, if I'm successful, like, like that's almost terrifying uh, (laughs) on that level. So then, you know, your basic plan is like your, it's
2: the given it's the standard,
1: Mm -hmm. but then you keep, uh, keep going of, well, what else can you do? I love that. That's cool. So so when people say to you, like, oh,
3: you're trying to be an actor, well, you should have a plan B. And you go, I do. My plan B is to be on Broadway. My plan C is to have my whole own network TV show. You got it. Thank you. Drop the mic. Boom. Yep. Drop the mic uh-huh. on Aunt Ernestine's foot. It's usually Aunt Ernestine. Anyway.
2: So, so I'm guessing, yes. Yeah. <laughs> she would. I'm guessing, she would. Or Trudy. Trudy's a good answer. Oh, too.
3: Trudy Tootsie. that was last
2: episode sorry uh when you were four years old or five or any of those ages my guess is you didn't look ahead and say,
5: you I want to be when I
3: grow up? I want to be a leader. She did not sound like that. You,
2: I, I think that's what she sounded like. Okay, well, so, I actually didn't
1: know English at that point. So. Oh, oh, true. Yeah. So you can so imitate whatever, me in Polish.
2: I, I, wish yeah. I, I, wish I, I wish I could. And I feel whatever I would try to do would just be insulting to the Polish people. So I'm not going to do uh, it because I don't even know where to start. I don't either. So. Whatever, it doesn't matter. You could have been thinking in any language. The point is, is you didn't say to yourself, I want to be a leadership coach. <laughs> how does the path your like t- your life took, how did it end up in this? And how does this relate to the you you thought you would be?
1: Well, this is one of those things that only makes sense in retrospect. I like so many. Like it, it all mm. was
2: leading to here, but you could have never known that. Yeah. yeah,
1: it doesn't make sense often along the way. And then in okay. retrospect, you're like, oh, okay.
2: Okay, so what was that?
1: So, well, so there's two things that come to mind. So I can tell the full story and I'm happy to to tell the narrative. But there's two moments that, that are poignant since we're talking about family history. So these are um, two things. One thing is related to, to my mom. My mom gave me some of the best advice that at the time made no sense. <laughs> um, but I remember in my senior year of high school – I was super stressed out because I didn't know what I wanted to major in in college. So this was like, you know, high drama, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, you know, in high school, everything's a really big deal. And, um, so I'd gotten, uh, accepted, uh, to Syracuse, uh, in their yeah. journalism school and I was debating between. I was
2: accepted into the new, into new, new house. house. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. And I did end up going, but I couldn't decide whether I wanted to be, to major in photojournalism or in, uh, print journalism. Uh, specifically there at the time, the majors were separated out even more newspaper, magazine. Um, so I was thinking about being either a magazine major or a photojournalism major. And I was so stressed out about this. And when I got stressed out, uh, I would clean my car thoroughly. So my mom found me (laughs) in the garage and I was, you know, detailing the car. So and- someone
2: walk by your car seat and saying, "Go oh, crap, Matilda's really stoked up right now. Oh, She's got something on her mind." Right? <laughs>
3: right. Oh my gosh, what a great byproduct though for anyone oh, getting really, to ride yeah, in your right? car. Right.
1: <laughs> so. What happened? Yeah. So my mom's like, all right, what's up? And I was like, I don't know what to major in. And my mom said, my mom's a a professor, by the way. So she's like, well, first of all, you have until the middle of your sophomore year to even declare. So go to college first. (laughs) And second of all, you're going to have a job that doesn't even exist yet. So it doesn't matter what you major in. And at the time, that sounded so unhelpful. Mm. But Mm. in retrospect, she was absolutely right. Wow. Wow. I mean, coaching did technically exist then, but, you know, it wasn't what it is now. No, it's not. And also it wasn't something that either of us were aware exists. Um, And um, and then I had a series of jobs that did not exist uh, before I had them. You know, I had jobs that uh, either I invented or were created for me or, you know, like there were there were all sorts of adventures along the way. Um, So that's one thing that kind of comes to mind. Fascinating. That is so fun.
3: It's like instead of you fitting into a peg, people create your niche as people mm-hmm. encountered you. They were like, Well, we have to create this for you. Yeah. I love that.
2: Do you think in Savannah, when you declare a major, they say, I do declare?
3: They do. <laughs> They say I'm I gonna be an English player. major. I'm gonna get my BFA. <laughs> that's
2: right. My buffer. <laughs>
3: wow. Well, you know it's so it's because my dad went to um he got his journalism major at at Columbia Missouri, and then my boyfriend studied media journalism at UNC Chapel Hill, and you did you go to school for journalism, Mark?
2: A film.
1: Oh, but you got into... I
2: get, well, because Newhouse had a film TV program.
1: Uh. So I ended up doing that. I don't think we knew this about each oh, other. Wow, I wow. ended up being a TRF major.
2: How about that? Yeah. I went to RIT in Rochester. Oh, okay. So, um, that is
1: so cool. But you got into Syracuse.
2: I did. Okay. Syracuse or Rochester and Ohio State were the three schools I was looking at. So Okay. Um,
1: you just wanted the snow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's what I wanted. He
1: just wanted to be. Actually, it was now. it was
2: really cool because my father worked at RIT, and at the time, several schools had an exchange program that if someone from the Ohio, a professor from Ohio state wanted to send their kids to rit someone who had a kid from rit could send them to ohio state and they would basically comp each other out in terms of paid yeah. tuition so that was pretty that that was why i was looking at those three schools
3: oh that's cool yeah
2: mm-hmm. yeah so anyway
3: oh my god let's talk more to matilda my brain <laughs> yeah. i was just like wow rochester yeah, just wow wow um,
2: so Matilda, so you, one of the things that we mentioned that you're an expert in, or or uh, maybe I'm overstating, I don't know, but I know you know a lot about, and you kind of led the curve a little bit because now it's like a, it's a bona fide thing out there. Um, but you were talking about it before it was really widely talked about, which is imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. which now a lot of people are talking about. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much they're talking about it because it's something, I mean, you can you can say what you think about this, it, this is really kind of, something now. It's a, it's a thing. A lot of people are talking about this. I'm hearing it more and more imposter syndrome. So not just what is it in case people are not familiar with it, but how was it that you kind of caught onto this a little ahead of the curve and started talking to people about it?
1: A lot of the workshops that I create are workshops that I need myself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I needed to overcome my own imposter syndrome. So, and And then I created a workshop around it and, you know, figured that other people also experience this. I've experienced imposter syndrome quite a lot, which makes me an imposter syndrome expert. That's
3: funny. For people listening who don't know, how in like a quick definition, what would you say imposter syndrome is?
1: It's feeling like a fraud. It's feeling like you're going to be, quote unquote, found out, like someone's going to find out that you don't know what you're doing and you don't belong there. Um, it's, It's that sense of I have no idea what I'm doing.
3: Mm-hmm. Wow. And so like, what would some of your workshops consist of?
1: All of my workshops are highly interactive. Cool. Um, so I always have people engage with each other, uh, you know, kind of creating a, a safe space uh, for sharing and, you know, people can share as much or as little as they want. So there's always a worksheet, uh, but there's also an invitation to uh, share to the group. Um, and one thing that's true about imposter syndrome is that it thrives in secrecy so the more we experience it the more we don't want to talk about it but when we hear other mm-hmm. people experiencing similar feelings or having similar experiences especially actually people we respect it. exactly
2: that's the key right so do you make mm-hmm. sure that these workshops are a certain caliber of professionals so people feel like they are in the company of like people
1: yeah absolutely that's uh, cool then it
3: takes the stigma away mm-hmm. yeah
2: um, I, I do want to tell you that every time I hear the word imposter syndrome, I think of the workshops that you do. You're like my imposter syndrome poster professional. Right? <laughs> thank um, you.
1: Thank you. Um, awesome. It is one of my favorite topics.
2: I think it's really interesting. Um, So what does exa- uh, leadership coaching look like for you? What, what is the process someone might go through in a general sense that you would lead them through? And I'm less looking to like, let's learn about Matilda's practice or her consulting work. And more like what would someone that's already experiencing some level of success, what kind of – and here's why I'm asking the question. There are a lot of coaches out there these days. Everyone their brother is a coach. There's all these services that I, you can I learn assist to a, a coach.
3: I assist coach. an empowerment coach, literally, like me here in the room. There's but, two, two out of four people in the room.
2: But there's a lot that's of – That's crazy. There's a lot of – yes, it is. There's a lot of coaches out there. That's what I mean. That, that, that make me wonder – what have you done that's so special that you're in a position to coach other people? Not you, Mattel. A lot of people, and it's like this thing. It's like it's it's you know they, if they can recruit people to coach, then there's a job for them to coach. But then there's like legit skilled coaches like yourself that have a real track record and also have accomplished a lot professionally. Can you talk a little bit about where you've been? In these jobs that you've created that you talked about because I know a little something about them and they're not really small things. Um, What have you accomplished that allows you to now sit in that chair and talk to leaders and not be someone that doesn't know what has never led anything and somehow managed to convince a leader to pay the money to coach them because they had some bright ideas. Why are you in a position to coach these people?
1: Sure. Well, first I want to kind of clarify and premise what coaching is and isn't. Great. So one of the great misconceptions about coaching is that it's directive or it's advice giving. Okay. Um, and it's, coaching is, is a process. It's a methodology. It's a framework. It's something that I guide people through to help them find their own best solutions okay so in some ways i think of myself as an archaeologist so i help people excavate whatever truth is within them we, we mm-hmm. usually know the answers we usually know um what the best solution is but sometimes it just you know takes a little bit of extra you know i bring the tools and then we do a little dig and we pull out an artifact and i'm like what's this <laughs> and it's uh,
2: a bit like being a psychotherapist in a way the same kind of process of
1: so coaching has its roots in therapy, um, especially in CBT, but also um, in positive psychology. Um, but um, it's different in that, and this is speaking in extremely generalized broad strokes, but uh, I like to differentiate how coaching is different from therapy, but also from consulting and from uh, advising and mentoring. So uh, therapy is often Again, generalization focused on the past and focused on healing. So it Mm -hmm. asks, why are you here? What happened? Uh, Let's go heal that so that you're not stuck and you can move forward. Uh, And coaching is very much focused on the future. And it's very much like, yeah, that sucks. What do you want to do about it? Like mm-hmm. let's make a plan what do you want instead uh, what do you want to replace this you know negative thought pattern with like what you know it's very action oriented and it's very outcome oriented mm-hmm. um, and it's different than you know consulting and advising because it's not necessarily about um, you know let's diagnose the problem or let's fix it for you it's it's more about, I'm going to empower you to fix it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, and again, different from, you know, mentoring because uh, it's not necessarily meant to be directive. Mentoring is more, oh, I was in your shoes once and here's what I would do if I yeah. were in your shoes again. And coaching is more about helping someone find their own best yeah. solution uh, and move forward, of uh, you know, feeling empowered and, and leveled up.
3: Thank you for those differentiations. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Coaching is like the there's greatness within you and i'm going to help shine a light on it with you yeah that's really awesome
2: how much of it is getting someone to know what they already know about themselves but getting them to believe it or or recall it or admit unlock it, it. Or unlock yeah it, m- much of it is things that they already sh- should be believing about themselves and know about themselves and it's the connection of believing it that and taking action on that? Belief.
1: Often, yeah. It's often already there. It's just a matter of, you know, of, of just the insight that it is there. Mm-hmm. Um, I often, you know, my clients' goals are my goals. And I often think of, you know, myself as someone who is a potential seeker. So I see the potential in people and, you know, they might see – Themselves at a certain level, and I see it at an even higher level, and then I hold them to the, what I see. Mm-hmm. Um, so That's you know, awesome. it's like, yeah, you, you think you're going to goal A, we're actually going to goal C. You just don't see goal C yet. Um, but also, uh, sometimes there are moments where I believe more strongly in my client's goals than they believe in them. Um, so it's it's really kind of you know being that co-pilot, being that person who um, you know can really lift someone up and, and make you really see that you're absolutely capable.
2: Without naming names, would you be able to give an example of, of someone that you had worked with and and how that was true?
1: Yeah. Um, there's a lot of clients who I've worked with who've had, um, limiting beliefs, um, perhaps because of, um, past experiences or perhaps because of, um, uh, you know, something that's just really stuck with them where that's become a belief, you know, instead of there's, you know, there's the the difference between uh, who you are and what you do. And sometimes people say, oh, I, I failed at this thing. Therefore, I am a failure. So they internalize it and they become that. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like ungluing that um, and really, um, you know, focusing on like, you know, behaviors can change. Mm-hmm. Uh, thought patterns can change um, in Therefore, you can change your own vision of who you are. Mm -hmm.
2: So let's circle back to the career that you you made up or you invented, I should say, not made up. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I was a circus ferry driver. (laughs) Uh, No, but what what were some of the things that you did uh, as career milestones or whatever uh, that that ultimately led you to say, okay, here's what I want to do now. Mm-hmm. I want to spend my time helping other build people build their careers. Absolutely. Um, so what did you do?
1: Yeah. So I started my career in journalism and newspapers, mm-hmm. uh, originally. Um, and the first newspaper I worked for, uh, was the Durango Herald in Southwestern Colorado. Nice. And at the time, uh, I was not interested in going into newspapers. I really wanted to do video production, but, um, I was kind of recruited uh, to go there. It's a long story. Uh, With the promise of, and maybe you can do some video. And I was like, awesome. Um, But then it sort of, you know, it was meant to be like a three-month contract. And then the three months were almost up. And I was like, cool, I'm going to peace out. And they're like, no, 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 don't go. Um, Because in the meantime, they were short-staffed and they trained me to do literally everything. (laughs) So I was filling in for everyone on every desk. Wow. Um, And so... Uh, so I was like well we should do video cuz that's the future and this is you know 2004 before YouTube existed um you know this was when you still have to ftp quicktime files and it was a huge pain um but uh but I was really excited about this future and um at one point the um managing editor and publisher uh took me out to lunch and I had all these statistics about how video is the future uh and um and then we're looking at menus and the publisher sitting across from me and he says so, Matilda, tell me about the internet. What do you think about the internet? <laughs> and so I like went on on all these statistics and um anyway, and afterwards, <laughs> the managing editor was like, "I think that went really well. I think what's important is what was not said." and I was like, "I've no idea what that means, but okay what? uh and then the following week, the uh publisher said, "So I want you to research the internet, and I want you to take the next three months." And, uh, and just figure out our internet strategy. And every week I want you to meet with me and teach me about the internet because we are, uh, you know, starting to fall behind and we need to really figure this out. And um, you understand the internet better than anyone here. So that was a job that just suddenly got invented. Wow. And it was amazing. Um, So I did that, and through that, I contacted a bunch of other people doing innovative things in newspapers. um, And then that led to me. uh, One of my mentors um, in the industry got a job um, at another paper and recruited me to, um, uh, again, the promise was video production, which I did some of. (laughs) But then um, Google Maps released their API, and uh, I thought that was kind of intriguing uh, because I was in a new geography and I didn't really know the lay of the land uh so i talked to the uh the web dev team and i was like how do you how do you do this how do you play with this and so i started um with their help creating these interactive maps and um and using mapping as a storytelling tool with Um, pugs of
3: course there you go the pug map
1: wow okay no keep going please (laughs) i love this and uh so we had you know the 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 top ranked restaurants map you know kind of (laughs) color coded <laughs> love it wait so I'm sorry were you yeah. working with Google at this point no just their API got it okay, okay. yeah um, but um
2: and for those who don't know what that means what does API mean
1: so an What's API it? is essentially when you tap into Uh, an existing technology and can reference it and and pull from it. So for example, if you ever see that button that says log in with Facebook, instead of creating a username and password, you're using Facebook's API uh, to pull in the login information um, and pull in, you know, your basic info to create an account without having to, to do it manually. Um, So that's kind of the most common use case. Um, But in this case, yeah, without getting too geeky, (laughs) uh, you know, it was really a matter of, 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 of creating these um, these maps where it was uh, information that was custom, but layered on top of Google Maps. So it looked like a Google Map. Um, And then there were startups that started building on top of uh, this, like before Google released my maps, now you can do it yourself. um, So I started using, you know, that startups technology and and working with the newsroom to train reporters on on how to use this and make their own maps. Um, So that kind of turned into like its own job. And then at one point, I was talking to my boss, and I was like, So uh, did you know that you can, you know, send custom text messages and have people subscribe to them? And he's like, you just signed yourself up to be our mobile expert. I was like, okay. (laughs) So I think it's just if, you know, for me – the The thread in my all of my career is curiosity, and I really believe mm-hmm. that curiosity is a, is a superpower, and I've really used curiosity as a compass in in my own career. Um, and then after newspapers, uh, you know, I kind of switched to. Um, to the digital side of things and I went to grad school for journalism at NYU uh, and started writing for TechCrunch and helped them launch their green technology section. Um, oh, that's awesome. So it was super fun to, you know, be able to launch a whole new section for, yeah. you know, uh, an established publication. Um, and Especially then,
2: something that has meaning like that.
1: Exactly. You
2: know, it's not just like, you know, and now we're going to do this sandal section, you know, I mean...
3: Sandals have meaning too.
2: I know, But
3: geez. I get you, <laughs> Recycle I'm sandals. I'm wearing sandals. Okay,
2: okay. <laughs> Back to Mattel. Sorry, (laughs) Mattel. No (laughs) No worries. That's Um,
1: cool. Yeah, but while I was in grad school, um, I met a computer science professor who said, "Hey, I'm organizing a hackathon, but I really don't have time. Uh, Can I hire you to help me?" And I was like, "A hack of what?" Uh, But I was like, "You know, uh, I'm a grad student. You can hire me for a lot of things." So um, I ended up helping to organize this hackathon, which is a computer programming competition, Mm -hmm. and I was so inspired by total strangers coming together and overnight building something out of nothing it was really just this celebration of creativity Uh, and um i was like cool that was awesome and i threw it on linkedin because why not and forgot about it and then i started getting cold emails from people saying hey we want to do a hackathon and we don't know how can we hire you and i was like well sure and so i sensed that there was a trend happening and so i put together just a really basic you know wordpress site and um invented a hackathon consultancy uh and um and didn't expect anything to happen, but, um, I actually, a lot happened. And so I had clients from, you know, nonprofits, universities, um, recruiting agencies. Um, I, Yahoo put me on a six month contract to do hackathons for them internationally and India and China and England and Silicon Valley. So that was quite the adventure. Uh, and that led to some, um, roles doing event planning for tech conferences. I was director of content for internet week and, um, really built up the, uh, media strategy, uh, there, um, and also in
3: New York. Yes. Like, but is, isn't it called social media week or is that different? That's a different one, different but I work with internet. them as well. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I worked to social media weeks, but I haven't since like 2016 or something, mm-hmm. but okay, cool. Keep going. Yes, yeah. that,
1: that is so Awesome. It was super. It was super fun. Yeah, nice. and that was a really large conference, and you know, uh, it was cool because it was you know it was um, identifying what the hot topics were in tech and what conversations we should be having on and off stage, and then inviting the speakers um, and uh, and just being involved with all aspects How of that.
2: Cool. So when did you decide? Eh, enough of that. I,
1: yeah yeah no that's we're that's a great question because that is what led me to um, to coaching was I got burnt out. Of event planning. Um, at one point, I got a job that on paper seemed like a dream job. But in reality, it was just a very poor culture fit. And most importantly, the events that I was asked to produce were not interesting to me. Um, they were just kind of regular, you know, run of the mill networking or fancy dinners or, or things. Was that... it
2: almost getting too easy for you in a way also?
1: um, It's just that I wasn't passionate about the skill set, I was passionate about the content. I got into events because of hackathons, wow. not because I You're really be enjoy inspired. spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I feel like event, because I work in events as well, there's so much synergy
3: again, um, but it, it's it's almost like every event in is it is the same in a way, but so many fires come up that you have to put out that it can get monotonous even if there's different people different city different whatever Mm -hmm. it's kind of the same craziness Mm -hmm. ebb and flow and then die down and then you're done and then
1: what's next yeah
3: so yeah so what was that transition
1: so I reflected well first of all when I left that job I uh, my network was really generous in introducing me to opportunities but they were all event planning opportunities and that's when I realized I'd suddenly gotten myself pigeonholed and that's what I was known as So I started reflecting on my career and realized that the most memorable moments, what they had in common was connecting with people, was, um, you know, being of service, having a direct impact. um, And mentoring came to mind. You know, I'd done a lot of mentoring at startup incubators and accelerators. So I kind of came at it with the question of how could I turn mentoring into a career? And that's when coaching popped up on my radar. And as soon as I discovered that coaching exists and is a quickly growing field, Everything, you know, synchronicity just started to happen and everything just started to line up. Um, So... Uh, I met a coach uh, at a party and I was like, tell me about your life. Tell me everything. Uh, And I ended up hiring her and she was my first coach. And that was a really powerful experience because it completely changed my relationship with uncertainty from fear and anxiety to curiosity and adventure. I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. I can't wait to see what's next. But also feeling empowered and I can pick up the pen or the typewriter in Mark's case and contribute (laughs) to that (laughs) chapter. (laughs) Yes, pick up that huge typewriter.
5: That's
2: right. That's right there, Shani. Um. It's so true.
3: I hear so often. I mean, my coach that I assist now, she talks about her coach all the time to the people in the the program that she's coaching. So it's it's funny to hear her talk to her clients about her coach and their their minds are probably blown. Like, what? My coach has a coach?
1: But it makes so much sense. Would you go to a dentist who doesn't have a dentist? No, heck no.
2: Sure. Well, most therapists who are worth their salt have therapists. Oh,
1: yeah, you know, I know
2: a few. Paid, anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> oh, God. all right. So I, I'd like to finish on this note here. Uh, let, let's relate to the the theme of this show in a way: funny comedy. <laughs> How do you see Matilda, the concept of humor, being important to you, if at all, to one the process that you go through in your coaching and two, the path that you set people on and the way that they rediscover and deploy themselves towards their own success.
1: Mm-hmm. I think humor is such a powerful tool for shifting your state and that can be really instrumental in, in coaching and in creating that mindset shift. So uh, and humor, humor in, in a coaching context for me begins with rapport and really with with trust and with creating, you know, that safe space where people feel like they can see things from another perspective. Um, but also, uh, I think that we're so good, especially in our culture of taking everything so seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and. I don't think that seriousness is necessarily a prerequisite for success. I think commitment. I think integrity. I think dedication. But you can do those things and drop the seriousness. You can be committed. You can have integrity. You can be dedicated and still have a good time. Yeah. And in
3: exe- in executive environments, I would assume that the seriousness is almost the prerequisite. Yeah. But also, I don't know. Not everyone has a funny bone, so maybe they try.
2: I think everyone has a funny bone, Danielle. I think it's on your a, elbow. I, I, yeah. But okay. I, I no, but yeah, bone, it's called but... a
3: weenus. <laughs> it's your elbow. I thought it was called no. No, I thought it's it was a weenus. Ha! Oh my gosh,
2: yeah. that's funny. It's true.
3: I know, but this is a weenus.
2: <laughs> the the little point I hit is my called elbow. Yeah.
5: Oh.
3: No, I so am resonating with that, though, because I've worked a lot of like corporate events like doing check-in or mic running or all the events i worked. And there is definitely this facade. And then what's funny is there's a happy hour after and everyone feels like they can let loose. And mm-hmm. it's like, why can't we bring that that levity to the whole day you of this be, conference? Wouldn't or- it be
2: great to start the day with a happy hour?
3: no god no, mimosas no, no.
2: i mean you don't so whatever you have non-alcoholic cocktails but you still go through the motions of that's a happy cute hour. i like that and you start the day out with a happy hour to say well let's do what allows us to release ourselves to do our best work and to be ourselves and i mean you know why not
3: that's fun i like it
2: um because at breakfast networking in the morning. No one's doing that. They're sitting there and they're catching up on their emails and they're, yeah, you know, or whatever, um, or sleeping in <laughs> or on the golf course Whoops. or whatever. Um, so how, how do you purposefully try to work if at all with your clients and, and show them that humor side? I know there's the rapport part, but if this is so important, how how, what's the, Without revealing your secret treks. But Matilda, how do you actually make that happen? How do you instill that in them? How do you get them to get in touch with that side of themselves?
1: I mean, I'm often the first one to to crack a joke, especially when someone's in, you know, a really serious state and they really believe something. You know, I might poke at it and be like, is that true? You know, or I might exaggerate it and be like oh wow you know like that's you know that's that's even worse <laughs> you know or mm. i don't know like i i poke at the truth and uh and kind of see what happens and um and and sometimes when i exaggerate something then it creates a little bit of levity I you know in in college I had a, a fortune cookie that said and I taped this on my mirror because I took myself way too seriously in college uh and this actually helped um but it said happy is one who can look in the mirror and laugh and I think that that is so true and so I really tried to um to help people laugh at themselves mm-hmm. because we're all human and we're all kind of silly, quite frankly, especially when we take things so seriously. Like there's actually a silliness in how seriously we take things uh, yeah, John Like I...
4: um like the situations where when you're in it it's horrible and then you look back on it and it's hysterical. Yeah. Like when you're telling the story yeah, to somebody. Yeah. And yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And you're like, Oh yeah, at the time it wasn't funny at all, but now I see it's like stupid funny. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
2: How can people connect with you and the things that you're doing? And and perhaps if you've got room for them, look at hiring you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my website is Matilda.me with a Y, M-A-T-Y, L D A. Uh and um, I'm also on Twitter at Matilda, um, and I'm on LinkedIn. You
2: really got at Matilda with a Y all by itself. Good for you.
1: Oh my god, I'm
3: looking you up right now.
2: Wow. Did you go see Matilda on Broadway?
3: With
1: my mom.
2: Ah, how fun. Yeah. Do you like that movie? We do. Yeah. It's
1: so good. I have the book, the yeah, whole thing. It's fun. Yeah.
2: Good old roll doll. Yeah. Okay. Uh great. Well, for those of you out there who are you seeking new clients now or accepting New client. Is there room for new people?
1: Sure. Uh, And I do one-on-one coaching. I also do group coaching and team Mm -hmm. coaching. I work a lot within companies um, and I work a lot with people who either are about to get promoted or Mm -hmm. uh, have just been promoted. Uh, So I love training new leaders um, and facilitating. So all those things.
2: When you coach someone, is there a moment they leave the nest? You, you, They've accomplished their goal. Good luck to you. Let me know how you're doing. I'm mm-hmm. always here for you.
1: Absolutely. Okay. And that's one of the differences between coaching and therapy is that coaching has an end point and And mm. uh, in therapy, kind of you're not sure when you're done. But okay. that also kind of accelerates the urgency of like, okay, there's <laughs> limited time.
2: Well, much like coaching <laughs> – that is the end of this segment. We have to let
5: you <laughs> we, free, like
3: a bunch of um,
2: high. We're not done with the show yet, but we're at the end point of going through Matilda's journey for now. Uh, but Matilda, thank you for sharing so much and, thank and you. inspiring us, frankly. And congratulations on the success that you've carved out for yourself. Oh, so many times. Thank uh, you. You've Really created your own road.
1: Thank you so That's much. Really great. Thank you uh, for having me.
2: Absolutely. Okay, so uh, quick pause, and then it's time for.
3: And they're so, and they're
2: so Uh Right after
0: this. Bye. A dozen eggs, half gallon of milk, wheat germ, craisins, and pamperin. Hey, uh, oh, nope, sorry, that, nope, that's my grocery list. Here we go. <clears throat> this is funny people talking.
2: It's the end of the show, everybody. That means it's time for... End of show food. That's right. End of show food. Uh, was that? that? was so bizarre. <laughs> that was just a...
4: Danielle zipping it up zip, the show.
2: Zipping up the show or whatever <laughs> with her little zip. she She's a little... I don't know what it is, but it's got a zipper on it and she zipped it. That is really loud in the microphone.
3: It's my iPad
2: case.
5: It is.
3: I'm so sorry. It's
2: all right. We all enjoyed it. Um. Anyway, so uh, it's time for end of show food. That's when Elsie shares something that she's yeah. found as she scours the world um, for, or at uh, least New York City, or at least New York City for really interesting, cool, different things that we can taste. You never know what it be. It might be a uh, food. It might be a drink. It might be a candy. It might be, never know what she's going to come up with. And uh, (laughs) it might
3: be a snack.
2: Candy is all right. So, what we're going to do is uh, she'll share with us what it is. And then uh, we wait to eat it until she says go. And so we all can enjoy it together. And uh, then what we'll do, Matilda, is rate it. We'll rate it on a scale. Of chickens. So basically, you can't create your own numbering system of chickens. It could be out of 362 chickens or 19 chickens or whatever you want or 10. Uh, And uh, that's how what you think about what she's offered. Okay. So, Elsie, it's your turn.
4: What do you got? All right. So, what you got, girl? Today, I have a sweet and a show Oh, my God. Oh carrot cake Oreos. Oh
3: my carrot God! Cake. My friend Becky Abrams Oreos. did a review of this on her Instagram. That is delightful.
4: Oh, right. we're gonna have to see ah.
3: how it, it how it holds up. All right. So
4: it says carrot cake flavored cookie with cream cheese frosting flavor cream. Uh, My guess
2: is no carrots were harmed in the making of these Oreos. You
4: know, let's look. Let's see.
3: Hmm. Huh. <sighs> uh, no, because I'm guessing there's no carrot cake in it whatsoever. I don't think there's. Now I'm li- I'm I'm looking up.
4: I don't see any carrots. Look, <laughs>
3: she the, her her cover photo is the carrot cake. That's Oreos.
2: outstanding. All right. Well, that I am excited. All right. Yay. Here we go. Unhealing. All right, so Elsie is breaking Oh wait, wait, wait. Picture, picture, picture. Primini. Oh, cr- Sorry.
3: So, shout out to Becky Abrams. Uh she works at Stacy Gallo Casting where I've assisted ah, before. Very cool. And after we wow. eat these, she had she put them in they a description like of what cheese. she thinks they taste like. Okay. I'm going to see if is it holds cream up. Cheese? Cream cheese like raw Stale or like fresh cream cheese.
4: Oh my! I, don't know, if I know what raw. Can't dead. wait. Or we're not allowed wow. to eat raw yet or until. Cream cheese.
3: You know what? I was given a carrot Thanks. cake at my fourth birthday, and it had a huge mm. carrot on the top and a bunny. And I turned to my mom and I said, "What kind of cake is this?" And she said, "It's a carrot cake." And I was like, "Why do you put vegetables in a, in cake? a cake, mother?" And I ran away. <laughs> uh, it was at a gym, so that I like I could run away delightful. and like bounce in the bouncy thing. Um, like you know, one of those like gymneys, like those like fun bouncy gyms.
2: Yeah, have you ever looked at an Oreo like the pattern on the cookie?
3: Yeah, it's really unique. Pretty interesting. Are we about to eat it?
4: Right. Um, it smells just like wait. Tomatoes. How is everyone going to eat their Oreo? Properly. Well, I take mine apart. But
3: a five, six, seven, eight. Are we left? Uh,
4: ready? Ready to go? Uh... Oh,
2: mm. yeah, that's very carrot cakey to me. Um, mm. There's a bit of a finish for me. There's a bit of a chemically finish.
3: Mm. I'm going to I read the description that my friend Becky put and I'm going to have to agree with her. There's an eggnog thing going on here.
5: Mm. Hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Right? A
1: little bit, yeah. Mm. So first I took a bite, just like sandwich style, and then I took mm-hmm. one of the sides off. Yeah. And with, with one side missing, to me it's more authentically carrot cakey, because carrot cake always has so much frosting on it.
2: Yeah. Well, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. That's what I'm doing now.
3: Maybe I'm just traumatized from my four year old birthday. Well... How dare there be vegetables in a cake? Uh, you fin- I love carrot cake now.
2: <laughs> you finish yours first, Danielle. Oh, yeah. What do you have to say about the rating of okay. these
3: um, carrot
2: cake-flavored Oreos?
3: I'm going to go <sighs> – oh, God. I don't know about these chickens. This is rough for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm really proud of them, you know, for doing a thing. So I guess I'll give them, like – 9,000 out of and hundred chickens.
2: Wow, that's a very strong rating. I know. Thank you. Good job. Thank you. Um, and
3: real quick, my friend Becky said, this tastes like eggnog filling and cinnamon teddy graham dreams. That was her assessment.
4: It. It's funny because I was going to say, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the outer part tastes like uh graham crackers mm-hmm. to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cinnamon yeah, graham crackers. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. The ones where they got, like, the sh- the cinnamon sugar yeah. on them?
4: Yeah.
2: Uh, okay, that's pretty okay. Good. What was the deduction for?
3: Uh, the deduction was for um, slight confusion. Okay. <laughs> However, I'm proud of them. Elsie? Good job, Oreo.
4: Um, Let's see. Uh, I guess I would say uh, 62 chickens out of 72. Yeah. Got it. And- yeah. I mean, I like it. I thought it tasted pretty good. I don't have that chemical super aftertaste that you're talking about. Um but if I had to say carrot cake, no. Got it. You know, if you want the authentic carrot thing, no. No. But I did I mean, there's a store bought snack sweet thing going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was I like, I thought I would eat it. I mean, we have a whole container to eat. Yes, we do. Um, yeah. No, but I I mean I thought it was enjoyable. Um but just not carrot cake. Got it. I'd say it was graham cracker cream cheese.
3: Yeah, graham cracker cream cheese eggnog. Spiciness yeah.
4: thing going on, yeah.
3: Okay, Mark, what do you think?
4: I'm going to go with 12 out of 14 chickens.
2: Wow. My, my deductions are simply, I liked it, and I actually want another one.
3: Yeah, well, I'm going to have another one.
2: <laughs> but, but I don't want to buy them again. Okay, is how I feel. Like I don't need this experience again. Um, and to be perfectly honest with you, I'm only a medium fan of carrot cake as it is. I like carrot cake, but it's pretty rare I would order it. So I'm already in sort of negative land as it is. So I feel that Oreos, or Oreo, executed this pretty well. Right, and I'm always marveling at the their their ability to. Pull their chemicals together and concoct yet another flavor out of the the limited thing that they're doing. It's pretty, pretty amazing. So um, a very malleable thing. Though, well, at Oreo. least it's a
4: flavor. Like, I don't yeah. like it when they say springtime Oreos and it's just because they dyed it pink.
2: Yeah.
1: Like, uh, I, I want the flavor. Yes. So, yeah. I want to know cool. what our guest gives it.
2: Yes, Matilda.
1: <laughs> I would give it a um, 55 out of 71. Ah. Yeah, yeah chickens. What's the deduction yeah. for? Uh I mean similarly to Mark, I don't know that I'm about to put it on my shopping list. Um and I kind of prefer carrot cake as a cake, but it's also not mm. necessarily something I order. Um but like uh, would you bring this to a party to be cool? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Not to be cool, but because it's weird. I like bringing weird foods to parties, so I would do that. yeah. Yeah, Yeah, But I don't know that. And then I would have one, but I don't need a pack in my house. What you
2: really need to do is listen to every end-of-show food we've done on this show, and you might find yourself some very interesting, odd party players.
1: Yeah,
3: this is real.
2: Good stuff, too. All right. Well, thank you, Elsie. Another good find. That was Mm -hmm. fun. Yeah, you know. Sam's. All right. Yes. Um, oh, our episode snaps is done. Vinyl, boo. Um, oh, Matilda, thank you so much for joining us. It was really great to see you. Likewise. it uh, fun to get a chat to you in extended period. It's like the longest we've ever talked in one sitting, really. Um, all right. Well, that's it for this episode of Funny People Talking. We're, we're really grateful that you have spent this time with us. And uh, hopefully you'll be back next week because we're going to have some more time. And we're going to do some more fun stuff. Yay. Yay. Uh, until then... Uh, For Elsie. What for me? Goodbye. Oh, bye. And Danielle.
3: I got to take these Elvis pants off. They're chafing. Uh, Goodbye.
2: They are are chafing. I can see that. Oh, God. Mark. Good Lord. Uh, I'm Mark Rako. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you next time. And oh, and here's a little suggestion. Stay funny.
0: If you're breathing, you're qualified. But that's not entirely a strict Policy. This is Funny People Talking. Copyright 2019. No portion of the content may be reproduced or published without the strict written permission of the producers. Connect with our show at, at Mouth Media Network or at our website, funnypeopletalking.com. I am your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network. Audio for business.